This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 11, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The protesters behind Occupy Wall Street have their grievances, but few of them appear to be with the policies of President Obama. The primary target appears to be corporate America, large financial institutions, and the price of higher education. John Samples, director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government, wants to know if the young people of Occupy Wall Street want to change something to benefit themselves. Why isn't it entitlements? A lot of people think that both the Tea Party and the Occupy Wall Street movements are grassroots reactions to economic uh, malaise and also uh, to the policy mistakes of the, that began in 2008. And therefore, a lot of people, including uh, Lawrence Lessig, a professor at Harvard Law School, have said, you know, there should be a real political unity between the Tea Party and the people on the left or maybe Occupy Wall Street. Um, And I suspect that the Tea Party people probably have some doubts about that. So I guess we don't really, you know, know a lot except what we're getting in the media about uh, Occupy Wall Street protesters. My colleague Emily Eakins did a lot of public policy, uh, public opinion research on Tea Party, so we know what they think. We'll find out about the uh, Occupy Wall Street people over time, but it looks like they uh, styling themselves as the Tea Party of the left. I guess one thing I would pose as a question to them is – If we got rid of corporate power, if the businesses didn't have disproportionate influence, if we separated state and economy, as we libertarians say, what kind of world would you see then? Think down the road a little bit. And if the answer is, well, once you get rid of the businesses, once you get rid of corporate power, you'd have a really strong activist state that is working hard to uh, regulate the economy, to control and oversee businesses, and and over make the society better and better in, in the name of, say, justice or equality. Well, if that's your position, that really is a position that's traditionally been a left-wing one. The Tea Party has, is further down the road, and I think they say once you get rid of corporate power, you can have a possibility of limiting government because what's left after government recedes because the corporate uh, sources of government growth have receded is uh, nothing but civil society. So if you look down the road, uh, Occupy Wall Street people, and see justice and equality and a big government, I would urge you to come to the Cato site and and see the other position and think about it. You're 24, 25 usually. There's still plenty of time to make up your mind about these things. Now, there was initially so uh, a lot of incoherence, I think, mm-hmm. among Tea Partiers. Mm-hmm. And there is, I think, some incoherence among a lot of Occupy Wall Street types. And, mm-hmm. and, and for example, the Tea Partiers argued, hey, let's get the government out of Medicare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's ample evidence that a lot of Tea Partiers like their entitlements or like their benefits bestowed on them by government. Uh, and that's certainly probably true of uh, the Occupy Wall Street crowd as well. But a- as it settles out, you think then that uh, this is going to be moved back toward 
the the left, for lack of a better term? Well, there's certainly efforts being made uh, by the president, by congressional leaders, by public employee unions, and other people highly skilled at organizing and mobilizing people. They're making efforts to parachute in and make this into a large-scale grassroots movement. Um, so I would urge, you know, another thing is they could uh, imitate the Tea Party in the sense that the Tea Party was very resistant about that happening on their end and rejected, uh, you know, advice from many people, including, uh, I think, Cato scholars at times. I think that's not a bad way to go about it. Uh, on the question of entitlements, I do think it is odd, though, that you have a lot of focus on Wall Street, but you don't have much focus on the real sort of long-term problems that will affect uh, these young people's lives, and particularly in questions of entitlement reform. Uh, there is no question that they are, in a sense, the generation that's targeted to pay for the mistakes of the past. They're going to, there's fewer of them, and they're going to have to pay for promises uh, that really uh, can't be kept, and, but they're going to be, perhaps, unless something changes, taxed and have their benefits cut to deal with that. Uh, on the Social Security side, on the health care side, again, they're going to be the ones paying for an out-of-control uh, system of medical care that they uh, was decided upon in many respects before, when they couldn't vote or couldn't protest. And yet, I really don't see any protest about this, the, the real ongoing thing that's going to affect their lives so much. Now, the Tea Party movement turned itself into an electoral force that brought a lot of new people into Congress, uh, notably people like uh, uh, Rand Paul, uh, Marco Rubio, uh, Mike Lee in the U.S. Senate. And even after the election of 2010, still rejected a great deal of what was being offered by House leadership, Senate leadership on the Republican side. Uh, the concern a lot of uh, Democrats have is if this is the same type of group at, that the Tea Party ultimately became, are we going to have to, you know, deal with an electoral force that is going to uh, alter the leadership of? Uh, the Democratic Party? Yeah, that's a big question in the sense that uh, it could change the people that are elected. It could change the, the, what they're saying and what they're thinking and what they could do down the line. Uh, but first of all, uh, Occupy Wall Street has to transform itself. We're presumably in the, if the analogy is good, or if it were good, we, it would, we're in the uh, early summer of 2009. Uh, so they're a little bit behind, but they'll have to transform themselves into a real uh, force for change electorally. Uh, you have to say the polling up to this point shows that Republicans and conservatives are much more enthusiastic than liberals about voting next year. And that's one of the odd things about uh, the movement is – the president and the administration is usually the defining characteristic of the status quo. So they're against the status quo, but they're either for Obama or at best ambivalent about him. It doesn't seem to be a status quo to reject here except one that's beyond the voting booth, as it were. Right. Obama represents in many ways the status quo. He's doubled down on a lot of Bush policies. 
He ushered in a, a, a great deal of, of spending that mm-hmm. ultimately served a lot of uh, parochial interests. Mm-hmm. And he's the best funded from Wall Street mm-hmm. in that sense as a presidential candidate as we've ever seen. Right. I mean, there's going, he will once again, uh, he was the breakthrough candidate on uh, rejecting public financing and essentially for all practical purposes ended presidential public financing. He will do it again. He will, he is the greatest fundraiser. I've said this many times, the greatest fundraiser in the history of the American Republic. Uh, And this is a movement against that allegedly, or it's said to be. So you would think that the first person that they would be against would be the president. But again, I think, to be fair, you go back to the Tea Party movement. That is, they were seemed to be about a lot of different things at the start. We'll see about this movement too, but consistency will may lead to more people joining. And to be consistent, it's going to be hard to be also on the side of the status quo. John Samples is director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government and author of The Struggle to Limit Government. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.